electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to save you a little money. Because my job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Everybody keeps asking, what does the Fed really want? After a tough day where the Dow slipped 340 points, s and lost 1.16%, and the Nasdaq tumbled 1.47%. In response to lower-than-expected jobless claims and a much stronger-than-expected ADP private payrolls report, well, this is something that you and I need to address. We've got to figure this out. So on the eve of tomorrow's key non-farm payroll report, I think, do they want to see a spike in unemployment? Is that what they want? Do they want, to, do they want to see you make less money? Do they want to plummet in wages? Do they want millions of people thrown out of work in a ruined economy? No, not exactly. The feds, they got a plan. They want you to reach for this pizza, not for this pizza. They want you to buy this coffee. coffee. This cream cheese, not this cream cheese. This beer, not this beer. They want you to buy these chips, not these chips. Nuts, how about this? They want you to, well, forget these. They want you to buy these. Yeah, they want you to trade down. They want you to save money. You add the prices of the name brand goods here. You know what? You know how much it costs? Fifty-two dollars and eleven cents. How about the, the no, not the nice, the nice brand, the generic brand? Just twenty-five dollars and fifty-nine cents. What a difference! See, if people were all to switch to the generic, it would force the branded guys to cut price, and that—that that is what they want to have happen. That is their plan. 
that's how the Fed could beat inflation. But they don't have many tools to change it. So you suddenly decide, you know what? I want some nice roasted party peanuts, not the planters. See, if many people feel confident and go for the high price basket, the Fed loses. If they want consumers spending less, if they want them to buy this stuff, they have to make you so worried about losing your job or at least not getting a raise or, heaven forbid, get fired as part of a reduction in force. See, as long as we have a strong labor market, there's a good chance people will keep paying up for the high quality stuff. That's what they're going to do, including this beer. Made by Constellation Brands. By the way, the worst performing stock in the S&P today. More on that later when we speak to the CEO, Bill Newlands. <laughs> hey, what's the matter with one laugh on a really miserable day? One laugh. Give me a break. As long as consumers can afford it, producers will keep raising prices to boost uh, profitability. Hey, that's what happened with ConAgra. They make this stuff. Yeah, the packaged food company that had terrific sales and earnings, even as the volumes declined more than 8%. Why? Price increases. Nobody stopped buying this stuff. They're still buying it. They don't care. They're paying. Now, the Fed isn't necessarily targeting cream cheese or potato chips. It's trying to break the cycle of inflation. These supermarket items are a microcosm of the broader economy. Once people start trading down the cheaper knockoff versions, the major brands will not be able to get away with endless price increases. Let me tell you something. You want to see endless price increases? This stuff, is there any level of stuff? This doesn't stop. It doesn't stop going higher. I'm sick of it. My... That was bad. That was bad. I, for... I thought I was at my old set for a second. Um, anyway, okay, um, you can do the same. Ooh, that was really bad. You can do the same analysis of real estate. The Fed wants you to stop paying up for luxury or maybe to just stay put in your old home rather than buying a new one. That's the big ticket version of buying the cheaper knockoff cream cheese that I just threw and ruined that $10,000 camera that I'm going to have to hear a lot about tomorrow. That's the big ticket version of buying. Yeah, well, anyway, I think we're definitely. Whoa. I think that's definitely where we're headed, especially with much higher mortgage rates. Same story for cars. The number of people with a monthly car payment of more than $1,000 has now reached a record high. Better to stick with your old car, even if it's a jalopy. Mine's 16 years old. I'm not going to get a new one. Plus, unlike food, the Fed's making it more expensive to get financing for these bigger ticket items. So housing and cars should be under a lot more pressure. So far, home sales are way down in volume, but not price. Not yet. History says that happens next. Car sales haven't rolled over yet. But at these financing rates, it's bound to happen. And while the Fed isn't in there making cream cheese more expensive, you can definitely feel the pinch if you look at the interest rate on your credit card. Why does all this matter? What does it mean? So if you buy these peanuts or some other, what does it mean? Well, because tomorrow we get a non-farm payroll number. And if it doesn't show higher, un- higher unemployment and with no wage growth, the Fed will need to keep aggressively in raising interest rates, and you're going to eat these, which, by the way, just one second, I want to check something. I, 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 I have a brainstorm. Do they, don't they look a lot like these? Anyway, that's the point. See, while we're making progress fighting commodity inflation, the Fed's most concerned with wage inflation because wages spread through the whole system. And they've made no progress on wage inflation. We've still got a massive labor shortage. As long as that continues, the Fed will keep ratcheting up rates until uh, 
actual businesses like the supermarkets forget about raising wages and start laying people off en masse, like we've seen in the last 24 hours with Salesforce and Amazon. I know that sounds harsh, but fighting inflation is tricky. Initially, we get a worldwide wave of inflation because supply chains were messed up by COVID. Remember that? We didn't have enough logistics capacity when the global economy bounced back. But once those supply chain snafus got solved, inflation didn't come around. It stuck around. Companies didn't have to cut prices because employment was so strong that the consumer could afford to pay more. Every time they tighten, the Fed's been hopeful that you'll finally switch to the cheaper knockoff brands, forcing everybody else to cut prices. Lots of people worry that, that, that that's exactly what happened to, to Modelo, right? Which is why Constellation parent uh, got its parent got crushed today. I mean, they're, they're thinking you're going to switch to natural ice, the big one. No. All right, that's not the impression I get from the quarter or the conference call, but let's save that for later when we speak to CEO Bill Newlands. In the end, all of this is a hypothetical, uh, theoretical kind of thing. And, you know, I hate hypothetical. I hate theoretical. What you need to know is that when consumers decide to trade down, companies like Conagra or Constellation might have to lower price. And that's how we beat inflation. And while that kind of thing is great for consumers, it's terrible for you, the shareholder. Same way with lower home prices. It's good if you're looking for a house, but it's awful if you own shares of home builder Lenore. In other words, there is no free lunch for you, the investor. You can win at the supermarket or the car dealership or the housing development, but that means you're going to lose in your stock portfolio. Worse, some would say the Fed's actually targeting your stock portfolio itself because they know people will spend less money when they feel less wealthy. Maybe retirees will even come back to the workforce if they see enough damage in their stock market portfolio. The Fed's basically trying to create financial insecurity because that's the only tool they really have to beat inflation. If they make people feel more insecure, maybe that'll help drive down the cost of labor, a more benign way of getting a bigger labor pool uh, compared to mass layoffs. Obviously, it's not great that the Fed's doing it this way, but it's really all they can. In fact, it's just plain dismal, hence the scientific name for economics. Nobody wants to root for layoffs or lower stock prices. But the alternative is persistently high inflation, endless price increases for everything. Nobody wants that either, especially the people not wealthy enough to own a lot of stock. And that's millions upon millions of people. Now, the hope is the Fed can beat inflation without raising the cost of borrowing so high that nobody buys much of anything. We all hunker down, stop traveling, stay at home, subsisting on knockoff store brands. The Fed is much tested to tighten that too much. We get tons of layoffs in the genuine recession. That's called the hard landing. Soft landing, that comes from price stabilization. The job market cools, layoffs spike, prices hold. But no matter what, unless companies get more productive, if they make, they'll make less money than we thought. Is that what happened to Constellation Brands? We will find out. Is that what's happening in Tesla? Walgreens? Workday? We need to know. As always, I finish the show with there's a bull market somewhere. And right now, that's in the recession-proof drug stocks. But you know what? Maybe they're only recession-resistant, not recession-proof. We've got to speak to Lisa Gill, highly respected healthcare uh, services analyst from J.P. Morgan, later in the show on the eve of her mayor healthcare conference. The bottom line, though, right now it does seem like there's just no place to hide except treasuries. If this keeps up, the Fed will indeed win its world inflation the hard way. And if you own stocks, your best hope is that they win sooner rather than later. Let's speak to Gorov in Massachusetts. Gorov. Hey, Jim. Happy New Year. Uh, first time caller and a member of the investing club. Um, oh, I thank you. To thank you. Thank you. 
I started listening to your show about two years ago, and since then I haven't missed a day. Uh, thanks to you and your amazing team for what you all do day in day out. Um, I have you. a question on FedEx. Uh, I know you had the new CEO Raj on your show a couple of quarters ago. I bought the stock in August 2021 at two seventy six dollars a share. My question to you is that me being a long term investor, what do you think if I should hold on to the stock? That has a dividend. I think you should buy more. Go, Rob. I want you to buy more. I think that they have a CEO. Uh, this Raj Subramanian is doing such a good job. It's a tough environment. You're thinking long term. And that means buy, not sell, not hold. Fed X Corp. All right. Right now, it seems like there's nowhere else to hide but treasuries. If this keeps up, the Fed will win its war on inflation, but that's the hard way. Oh, man, money tonight, Constellation Brands. As I said, felt on higher expenses in the company's beer division, a lot of other little things. I'm going to find out the latest of the CEO because, man, that stock was down the most of it in the S&P. Then it was tough to find them, but out of last year's NASDAQ winners, is there anything worth owning? I'm going to give you a handful of names I'm watching. And ahead of the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference I just mentioned, I am talking to Lisa Gill to find out what we should be looking for. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash mad money terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. All 
All right, what the heck just happened to the stock of Constellation Brands? The whole company best known for its Mexican beer brands, Corona, Modelo, Pacifico. This was a longtime Crane favorite. I like it so much that I own it for the Chapel Trust. And a month ago, it was holding up incredibly well, trading less than a buck away from its all-time high. But the stock's come down and come down hard over the last couple weeks. And today, it got eviscerated, down nearly 10%. We're stuck in the S&P 500. It, it was just a widely panned quarter. The headline numbers weren't that bad. They gave you a solid revenue beat. and They would have had an earnings beat, too, not for their losses for the big investment in canopy growth, which is now going to be in the past. When you look under the hood, though, beer volumes came in a little weaker. Management's commentary about the future wasn't particularly encouraging. Worse, they cut their full-year earnings forecast. So even that, I don't know, if it's really clear. So what do we do with the stock now? What do I do with the trust? Tell people in the club. At these levels, it's, I think a lot of negativity is baked in. But let's go right to the source. Let's go to Bill Newlands, okay? He's the president and CEO of Constellation Brands. we got to get a better read thing. Hey, Bill, tell us. It's good to have you on the show, but tell us what's happening here. Down 22 points. Total overreaction, Jim, as far as we're concerned. Uh, we had beats on almost every line of the, the P&L. We raised our guidance for the year in our beer business. We saw share gains in this quarter that were accelerated from the same quarter of a year ago. We had best-of-class growth and margin. And, and as you know, we have great cash flow. Uh, frankly, I think the whole thing was an overreaction. All right, so let me push back a little bit on that. There are some people who feel that maybe uh, there are fewer people drinking beer. Uh, in general, some people are saying, you know, wait a second, they're going to other spirits. Do you see either of those things happening? Certainly, we see people moving around from time to time. But the biggest challenge that we saw in the quarter was that we raised additional price in October. And as you know, when you raise price, you have a short term uh, hit to your volumetrics. What we were very excited about, the biggest place where we saw it was California. And California has already rebounded. Uh, in the month of December, we saw California had a seven-point swing in its growth profile versus what November had. So we're already seeing the kind of rebound that we would expect okay. uh, and getting right back to our long-term algorithm. All right. Now, in your conference call, I know it wasn't top priority to say buyback stock, but what I'm hearing from you is that I know you have uh, you have firepower. You have got unbelievable cash flow. You know, I saw the number. I said, there it is. No matter what, they've got that great cash flow. Is it time to stand there now that the stock is down to 208 bucks? It certainly is. It's a great buying opportunity, uh, not only for us, but for many of our investors. Uh, we think we are radically undervalued at this price point. Well, I mean, that's saying a lot. I've got to, Again, I want to push back a little bit. There were many times, actually several times, that you and your CFO used the term muted. And we felt that meant muted volume, muted desire of customers. And I'm confused what muted sound like versus what you just said. No, we said muted specifically around pricing for next year. Given we took additional pricing in October this year, we said next year is more likely to be in our long-term algorithm, which is up 1% to 2%. We were up more than that this year as we were last fiscal year. So the muting uh, comment was purely around pricing. We think it's going to be right in our long-term algorithm next year. Uh, it had nothing to do with what we expect around volume. Right, what did happen in November, Bill? Because people freaked out on that call. And I expect that one or two of those analysts is going to downgrade tomorrow because they're concerned. Well, that would be their error in my judgment. Uh, quite frankly, that the, the late quarter 
uh, softness in volume was directly related to the pricing increase we saw, and it was heavily driven by California. As I said a moment ago, California has already rebounded, and we're very excited to see that it's right back on the normal track that we would expect. Do you think there is a limit, though, where people, uh, you mentioned that beer is not recession-proof. You said it's recession-resistant. If we have a recession, it did sound like to me that you felt like the price increases may not be able to occur. I, I think we're going we're gonna to keep our eye on it. The exciting part for us is we got a great portfolio. Uh, you probably saw Pacifico was up 40% in the quarter. Our Chilada brand, Modelo Chilada brand, was up 40% in the quarter. In fact, in December, the number one share gainer in the state of California was Pacifico. So we have a lot of legs to stand on and a lot of, uh, a lot of brands that we're very excited about in our beer business. Oh, I got to ask this because other people, look, I was searching all day about this, Bill. I'm asking everybody. Some people must have said, Jim, don't you know that dry January is really taking off this year? Don't you know that people aren't drinking uh, alcohol anymore? I don't know, Bill. I, I, I ran a bar for a decade. I, 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 January numbers were always pretty good. Do I have to worry about this, too? I don't think so. In fact, I've seen a lot of research that suggests that more people, particularly on the younger side, are actually saying they don't plan to do that this year. So uh, I think you might be pleasantly surprised that uh, that won't happen this year. Okay, and the voting class change, that went off without a hitch. And yet from the the day that it was announced, the stock has been down. Are you getting any feedback that perhaps the voting change would make it so that the Sands, you you all have one common uh, class? It, It was a bad thing. Maybe that's something that people are upset about. I think most people are very pleased about it, actually, Jim, because it creates the right governance profile for us longer term. And, and I think it reassures many of our investors that our, our capital allocation priorities are consistent with what we've done for the last four years since I've been in the seat. I totally agree. Now, one last I'm, I'm going to ask it again. Big cash flow, lots of opportunity to do many things with that cash. At $208, perhaps the best thing to do with that cash is to buy stock. Uh, I would say stay tuned on that. I think the, uh, the probability, as you noted, we already have additional approval from our board uh, to buy back stock. Uh, and I think at this price point, would be silly not to do just that. Well, I'm leaving it right there because I think that says more than what I heard all day today about Constellation Brands. Bill Newland, President and CEO of Constellation Brands, STC. Bill, thank you for coming on the show and talking straight. Thanks, Jim. Man Money's back after the break. Coming up, the big dogs of NASDAQ were mostly thrown to the wolves in 2022. Which stocks from the index may still have some near-term bite? Stick with Kramer. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
if the Great Recession, the NASDAQ was the place to be. All of today's mega cap tech stocks used to be mere large caps. All the current large caps were mere Roman candles. The whole contingent had a miraculous multi-year run. And then it all collapsed under its own weight over the past 13 months. And we're still struggling to fathom what exactly happened, especially in days like today. So many different things went wrong. Let's see, ultimately their valuations became way too high versus the underlying earnings to the point where there was no room for even the slightest failure. That's where we were in late 2021. Of course, we know there was failure galore. These tech stocks got absurdly high valuations because we thought they were secular growth stories that could expand consistently for years to come. But they turned out to be incredibly cyclical, especially the new media plays that rely on advertising. There, you know, I'm speaking about Alphabet. I'm speaking about, about Meta. We got ruinous competition in all sorts of subsectors like cloud infrastructure. These stories weren't in the early innings. They were in the late innings. Sometimes the game was over. Now, when I look at the NASDAQ 100, the 100 largest non-financial companies in the NASDAQ composite, searching among the top 25 peers from last year for possible winners in 2023, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you what I found. Chiefly, there are a bunch of companies that I didn't even know were in the NASDAQ. More than that in a minute. But first, you need to understand, even after the massive declines in tech, many of these stocks remain overvalued. And remember, we're talking about the best of the best in the NASDAQ. The problem is they don't fit the rubric I've been preaching about for over a year. When the Fed's tightening, we want companies that make real things or do real stuff at a profit, return some of that profit to shareholders via dividends or buybacks, and most important, have reasonably priced stocks. Most of these tech companies are still issuing new stock like Med. Many of them are losing money like there's no tomorrow. Some of them remind me of the late dot-com era when you can see the forces colliding with more and more competitors doing the same thing, clubbing each other to death. Companies that make coding easy, companies that make cybercrime hard, companies that help make developers make apps, companies that analyze data in real time, companies that make you better at marketing, companies that improve your e-commerce presence, and on and on and on. No, they aren't worthless at least not most of them. Yes, private equity firms can roll them up without any antitrust implications, but there's really only one private equity firm that seems interested, and that's Toma Bravo. And that's not enough to give you a safety net. Most important, as my doctrine holds, to buy a stock, it has to be reasonably valued, not to its growth rate, but to the market in general. And that's a big change. So let me tell you what I did like, what I liked the best. I was looking at last year's biggest winners, and that's like, but I'm telling you, it's not a cop-out. This is a very straightforward analysis, and it starts with T-Mobile because its competition are so bedraggled. T-Mobile's former CEO, John Ledger, used to call AT&T and Verizon dumb and dumber. People would laugh because T-Mobile was such a pipsqueak compared to these two Goliaths. But it turns out T-Mobile was David. Now it's worth nearly $180 billion, slightly bigger than Verizon, much bigger than ATT. The dumb and dumber of telco have numerous cost obligations along with big dividends, which is why ATT had to cut their dividend last year. T-Mobile's different. They've been aiming for wireless world domination all along, constantly taking share and taking names, even becoming a real threat right now to the cable companies. Sure, T-Mobile can still drop the ball, but it hasn't so far. In fact, the company pre-announced an excellent set of numbers, every single number, record-setting for the fourth quarter, leading to today's incredible 3% gain in a miserable, horrible market. The wireless market is huge, and there's still plenty of business for them to poach as they continue to improve their network, and they don't have much churn at all. I like it a lot, although when it pre-announced that monster quarter and rallied 3%, I said to myself, well, wait a second, you know, maybe it has to come down simply because 
The market's so horrible, it doesn't usually allow you to have two up days in a row. Second, we got another what I call Nasdaqy name, Regeneron. Here's a tremendous growth biotech company. It trades at just 17 times earnings, even though it has a fantastic macular degeneration franchise, a growing cancer franchise, and an amazingly, amazingly strong anti-inflammatory business. This is one of the first stocks I ever recommend on Mad Money. It was back when it was around five. Now it's at 723 and change. I wish they'd split the darn stock, though, and make it so that you'd probably be more likely to buy it. Now, drug stocks are a dime a dozen in the NASDAQ, and there are plenty of high-quality ones, especially going into a slowdown. I know I like Fertex a great deal. I've told you that many times. I know Amgen is always doing something good. I'm not as big a fan of Biogen here. I like their Alzheimer's uh, drug, but I don't think it'll be successful as Lilies, which I prefer, and which is one of the reasons why I own it for the Chapel Trust and spend so much time analyzing for the investing club. I honestly could have populated the whole segment with NASDAQ drug names. I even have some good things to say about AstraZeneca. And if you put a gun in my head, and I'd say, take that gun away from my head, but I would tell, say, you know what? I bet you Gilead is something positive, although uh, I, I haven't seen it. But in the end, Regeneron's got a broad pipeline with a ridiculously cheap stock. I think it's a, it's a really, really excellent situation, especially if you're expecting a severe recession, because this industry is largely recession, not resistant, but proof. After that, though, things go off the NASDAQ rails because most of last year's winners are not exactly emblematic of the index. All right, let's start with the one. Oh, you're going to hate me for just saying it. I don't care. I, I don't care. Did you know that Did you know that PepsiCo's in the NASDAQ? Well, you do now. Tremendous company with lots of raw costs coming down. The brands are holding up magnificently. Love the organic growth. Great management from CEO Raymond LaGuardia. I'd argue PepsiCo rivals Procter & Gamble as the best consumer package company in America. The only problem is valuation. Trades at 24 times earnings. That is worrisome. That said, if you thought I was going to the NASDAQ to recommend a tech or biotech over PepsiCo, forget it. I'd much rather own PEP. I, I feel terrible because I know you don't want that. You want me to give you some sort of flab in that biotech. I don't play that game. Then there's another non-NASDAQ. All right, bear with me. Another non-NASDAQ name that I have to go for because, remember, I'm trying to find the best. What I think can repeat or do better in 2023, and that's American Electric Power. Now, okay, what the heck is this utility doing on the NAS? Tony SB, I don't know, but I like it. The utilities tend to hold up well in a slowdown. AEP is particularly well run. It's got a 3.5% yield, much less than you can get from treasuries. But you have to understand, this stock is like a bomb where the principal could actually go. You, you know, look at this. I mean, now I know we're not here at that, but I mean, when you see the longer term, you will notice that this thing is from way, way down. Sure, I was sad to see Nick Aikens retire as CEO. He was a guest many, many years for the company. But I'm sure his successor, Julie Slope, will fit in perfectly, just like Nick did when he took over from Mike Morris back in the day. I remember Mike. The guy was sensational. Hey, speaking of non-NASDAQ stocks, Honeywell's pretty interesting, down 10 quick points. But I covered that just the other day, and I don't want to duplicate, although it was much higher. Finally, there's Dollar Tree. This one didn't execute as well as I could, as I expected it to do. I mean, it finished last year as the 25th best performer in an awful index. But that's because they're still trying to integrate the ill-fated family dollar acquisition years after it occurred. And that's pretty shameful, frankly. The management turnover here is crazy. And they really struggle with family dollar. Do you know that I've I mean, let me just, as a total side, do you know I've switched to Dollar General? I, mean, I kid you not. And not just because I like AJ so much. He's my uh, cashier at my Dollar General. Uh, but, man, if you think this economy is in a real tailspin, Dollar Tree is the retailer for you, at least from the NASDAQ 100. It's far from my favorite trade-down play, though. I prefer TGX, the parent of TGX, 
of TJ Maxx, which is why we own it for the Travel Trust. But if Dollar Tree can get its act together, I think it could be a big winner this year. By the way, TJX is going to do well when CVS retailers drop in like flies. Bottom line, in an index that's been folded, spindled, and mutilated, I am still feeling good about a few of these stocks. T-Mobile, Regeneron, and Dollar Tree, along with the least NASDAQ of the NASDAQ names. I'm here, I'm talking about PepsiCo and American Electric Power. I want to take phone calls. You know where I really want to go? I want to go to Kansas. Let's go to Ken in Kansas. Ken. Hello, Jim. I'm a very long-time listener. First time speaking you, with Ken. you. I'm curious okay. about Coinbase Global, C-O-I-N. Is now the time to buy? All right. Jimmy Chill is trying to be chill. But I think Coinbase is a stock that you must stay away from. I just think that this group is incredibly problematic. I have to, you know, a lot of people are giving Gary Gensler a hard time. He has stood against a lot of what these guys were doing, but he was acting pretty much alone, even on his own commission. There are people who just basically said, hey, listen, crypto is the real deal. This guy has stood his ground, and I say avoid Coinbase. Let's go to Adam in Washington. Adam. A big boo 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 to you, Jim. Well, I'm liking Adam's fire, playing with fire. What's up? Oh, sincere thank you to you and your team for well over a decade and a half of partnership educating me to build a positive, <laughs> lasting portfolio for my family's future and having fun staying connected with my dad talking stocks. I have a quick oh, question for you, that. Jim. Okay. My, qu- my question, Jim, is about a premium brand and a stock with a cult-like following, amazing leadership, but a sky-high P.E. of 35. Lulu is down from 451 in December to 325 today. Can this stock hold up and make ground back in this slowing market and slowing economy? Buy, well, sell, or first hold, I, Jim. Okay, first I want to thank you for saying I love it when father and son, mother, daughter, father, whatever. If this show's brought people together, I love it. Now, Lulu is an expensive stock, and it did not have the best quarter. However, I think if you own this stock for three to five years, I think you're going to do really terrifically in it. All right, now, I'm still feeling good about a few of these stocks, T-Mobile, Regeneron, Dollar Tree, along with the least NASDAQ of the NASDAQ names, which are PepsiCo and American Electric Power. Much more made money at. What should be expected from the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference? I'd always move stocks. I'm getting a renewed conference in the space with terrific analyst Lisa Gill. Then I got some bad news for the Perma Bears, and I'll reveal what that is. And, of course, all your calls rapid fire tonight's dish of the lightning round. So stay with Kramer. Every January, J.P. Morgan holds its annual health care conference. This is one of the most important early events of the year and the most important conference of the year. It's also important because health care is the kind of recession-proof sector tends to outperform during an economic slowdown. We'll find out more in a second about that. This year kicks off next week, and we got to get some special insight. And that's why we're so thrilled to get a chance to speak with Lisa Gill, Managing Director at J.P. Morgan, and their senior analyst covering healthcare services. Take a closer look. She always comes on. She always gives us the skinny. Ms. Gill, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy. Our fifth time together. Yes, and Lisa, <laughs> I've got to tell you, we need you more than ever because you cover some companies that a lot of people feel like, you know what, I want to hide mm-hmm. because there may be a recession. And I'm speaking about managed care, and they have become a nightmare. What's going on? It's really three things. One, they substantially outperformed from, say, June of last year through the end of the year. So you're going to lock in some profits. 
two is going to be one that may surprise you. Um, President Biden has not decided if he's going to run yet or not. Should he decide that he's not going to run? We know the Democrats always go very left. So we know what we get with Biden, right? Right. If he decides not to run, we could hear about Medicare for all. We could hear about single payer system. And then thirdly, um, not to get too much into the weeds for, for people that are watching, but on February 1st, CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, will make a determination around RAVV, which is the risk adjustment um, data validation okay. um, for Medicare Advantage. So it's basically risk scoring. So how sick are you? And did you score it correctly? And they're going to come out with this new ruling, and it's going to potentially be retrospective. And so people are really nervous about what well, that means for Medicare. Why are we own these stocks? You just gave me three <laughs> incredibly solid reasons to sell them. Well, what I would say is that I want to be a long-term shareholder. These are all things that are going to be taken care of here probably in the first quarter by February 1st, right? I think fundamentally they've never been better. Uh, we've got a growing aging population in Medicare Advantage. We've got control of COVID. We don't have pent-up demand. And we have lots of services businesses that are really helping to propel managed care companies. So, for example, the largest player in the industry, United Healthcare, more than 50% of their operating profit next year will come from healthcare services within Optum. Well, you're, I, I know, because I read your research very closely, <laughs> we own Humana from my Chapel Trust, in yeah. part because you feel uh, pretty yeah. terrific about it. I know that that hasn't always been great. You think it's yeah. a, a great window? I do. And, and I, again, you know, the two issues I talked about are things that are going to have to get through for Humana as well. Um, I think if you remember last year when we spoke, um, it was right around the time that they had pre-announced. I think yes. it was that day. Yes, that's exactly and, what it was. Um, they had pre-announced on the membership side, and they missed the number. This year, they pre-announced to the positive, so better membership numbers. Well, they listened and to you. So you, you told they them made the investments they needed plan. to make, right? You said come and up with so, better plan. All right. A few years ago, you and I, I think, were the only two people in the world who like CVS at 55 when we were struggling, struggling, struggling. When, and they moved, they pivoted very big toward healthcare. When can we think that it's time to own Walgreens, which reported a yeah. not great number today? I think, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate for Walgreens today. I mean, the down over 6%. Um, I think people are really focused on two areas today for Walgreens. One, the operating profit coming in below where the street expected. Right. Um, two, the script volume, will it come back, right? That, that's really predicated on making the numbers for the year. And also the COVID vaccines. And so right. they're saying, hey, look, COVID vaccines are going to push from Q2. And remember, they're in August year end. So Q2 would be the end of February. They think they're now going to push to the end of May. I think it's hard to believe that people are going to be getting COVID vaccines in April and May. However... However, um, as you know, I am not positive on them today. Right. But you know, I love a wall. You know, when you think about Walgreens, I love a healthcare strategy. I know. And I think when we think about the healthcare strategy and what they're doing, which is is being led right now by John Driscoll, I think a person you also know yes. and highly, highly respected. I've known him for over 20 years. The acquisition of Village MD, Summit, Summit, City Summit's MD. Terrific care-centric, getting people to the home, this whole idea of value-based care and where healthcare is moving. The question just is, how does this all fit together? And can you actually deliver on the strategy? And can you do it without owning managed care, right? Like, so right. at the end of the day, being a services business is great, um, but you know, companies like United and Aetna and Humana, et cetera, that are also doing this, 
own the managed care side of things. So, oh. so again, I want I, I want to honestly be, be honest with you around this. I'd like to become more positive on okay. them. Today just didn't give me right. any well, more. <laughs> we're going to stay tuned. Dry powder, because, right? Like, there's dry right, powder like there. Now, like, finally like, got to ask. I mean, a lot of people say, Jim, you like the McKesson and Cardinal Health, and, 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 and you like these things, and you and Mercer's. You shouldn't. There are tax on the system. But that's not how you feel. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, I saw your, your show the other day, and you were highlighting McKesson, which I totally agree with. Um, if you think about our system in the U.S., the drug distributors are middlemen that really provide savings of over $6 billion annually. So if you think about this, there's 70,000 retailers. What if every retailer had to deal with the 400 drug manufacturers um, and uh, purchase orders, et cetera? Like the the drug distributors are the ones that are in the middle of that. Now, companies like McKesson are going to do really well because we're going to have biosimilars in the physician office. McKesson is going to do really well. We think about their life science businesses and and other tech-enabled businesses that they have as well as they're, they're really moving to where the future's going, and that's the alternate site of care. They're not distributing to the hospital. And I, I know Cardinal's done well this year, and I, I think you like Cardinal. But, I do. But, okay. <laughs> but they've got a lot of work to do to really turn this around. Fair enough. Well, look, this is the big <laughs> conference, and we just met with the best person when it comes to health care analysis. It's Lisa Gill, Managing Director of J.P. Morgan. Lisa, thank, thank you so you. much. Your insights are just priceless. Thank Thanks. you so much. Good to see you. Now money's back in for the break. Coming up, Kramer wants to hear from you. Your calls on the thunderous lightning round. Next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Remember, that's why Rob Gold wanted to see him as talking about my bye bye. You don't play this and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? It's time for the lightning round. Everybody, let's start with Tyler in California. Tyler. Hey, Big Booyah from California. Jim, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about you? I am doing good. Thanks for asking. I, I'd like to know, should I be bullish or shorting the trend on Carvana? Well, I don't recommend shorting stocks, but I do not want you in Carvana. I have disliked this stock for ages, and I reiterate that I still dislike it. Let's go to Steve in Texas. Steve. Hey, Jim, keep the lightning round lightning fast. Sharp Industries, okay. GTLS. Uh, you know what? It's had a very big move. It's come back down. And I just think that it, it, this is not the time to go into a, a really gigantic company that's involved with making all sorts of the big tankers down there in LNGville. Let's go to JP in Massachusetts, please, JP. Hey, Jim. Booyah from Boston. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for taking my question. So of my course, question is, what do you think about Zim Integrated Shipping Services? services I don't like uh, the shipping services. services. I've been staying away from them for ages. I'm still staying away from them. I have not changed my mind. Let's go to William in California. William. William. Speak hey, to me. Jim Kramer. Booyah, baby. Yeah. How you doing? Booyah. Hey, Chill Justin. says hi. <laughs> Hey, so listen, uh, I'm from California. I'm just tr- struggling to learn, understand when it's time to let something go or hang on to see if it snaps back. And my stock okay. I want to know about today is Sonos. All right, Sonos is an absolutely great company in an environment where we do are spending less money in our houses, so I cannot recommend the stock. I am sorry. Let's go to Nick in Maryland. Nick! Hey, Jim. I was wondering your thoughts on Chewy. If the earnings last month, they're going to open automated fulfillment centers to drive down costs. I think the earnings were okay, but I still worry one day that Amazon's going to say, you know what, we've had enough of Chewy. And then we'll have had enough of Chewy. Let's go to Brandon in Maryland. Brandon! 
Jim, I wanted to ask about a coastal market REIT that invests in apartments. I wanted to hear your thoughts on Avalon Bay Community. It's the best uh, uh, house and best apartment in a bad neighborhood. And I don't want to own it because its yield is only around 4%, even though it's a good company, not high enough for me. Let's go to Bill in Georgia. Bill! Jim, greetings to you from Milton, Georgia, club member and big fan. Yes, 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 yes. How can I help? So I bought this stock a few months ago, believing that lithium demand would increase significantly. It's down 35% mm-hmm. since my purchase. And I'm wondering, should I hold, sell, or buy the debt? Lithium Americas. No, stay away from Lithium America. I, you know, just stay away. I, we like stocks that make money, make things, do this, do that. It, that doesn't have any of them. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. Hey there, Permabear. What's with the grizzly outlook? Kramer on how to tell if it's time for investors to turn their frowns upside down. Next. Every few years, the world ends. Well, at least it feels that way on Wall Street, doesn't it? The last time the world ended, I don't know, was back in 2020 when a strange pandemic swept the globe and it seemed like it might kill us all. But then at the end of 2018, the world ended, right? We had a mini apocalypse when Fed Chief Jay Powell talked about raising interest rates in lockstep. Oh, yeah, the world ended for China in 2015 and 2016. Their stock market was destroyed. It ended for us in 2011 when U.S. Treasuries were downgraded. European sovereign debt collapsed. And that's just the last decade. The world ended big time in 2007 to 2009 with the financial crisis and the Great Recession. Unfortunately, once again, the world's ending. Our economy got way too hot. Inflation still out of control. So the Fed may have to raise interest rates even higher and leave them up there maybe for ages. Sort of a man-made apocalypse that can stave off an inflation Armageddon. Meanwhile, the crypto world's falling apart. Frankly, the whole thing seems like a house of scams. The repositories of these so-called digital assets seem even less trustworthy than the coins they sell. We don't know what's really going on at a Silvergate or a Coinbase. Maybe the SEC comes down on all of them and spills over the rest of the stock market. Couldn't happen to a nicer industry. China's threatening Taiwan. 60% of its semiconductors are, uh, are made there. Yet, yet we have some uh, mammoth chip clubs right here, right now. Even as there are severe shortages of other kinds of chips. We have a conventional land war in Europe, something that seemed unthinkable not that long ago. We have no idea who's going to be Speaker of the House. We have no idea who will even run for president from either party. The world is most surely ending now, isn't it? No wonder we have stocks plummeting off weaker earnings with companies having to fire people to get their expenses in line with their revenues. Hey, even the good stocks are going down now. But wait a second. I'm going to step back for a second. Remind you that maybe the end of the world's no big deal if it happens every few years. I know right now it seems like there's no way out. Everything's interpreted negatively. Companies that own up to to having too many people and announce layoffs are lauded until we find out that the layoffs aren't big enough. Everything the Fed says is about taking rates higher or keeping them higher for longer. But historically, these end-of-the-world moments haven't all... You know what they've done? They've they've made great buying opportunities. Case in point, China. Three months ago, China appeared to be on the brink of collapse. President Xi had dug in his heels on his zero-COVID strategy, and the people were beginning to rebel. And in the making of a disaster, a world-ender. We looked at our portfolio for the Chapel Trust, saw two stocks with huge China exposure, Starbucks and Estee Lauder, and said we had to buy them, had to buy them, because the world wasn't going dead. 
At the time, Starbucks stood at 85. Lauder was at 184. A few weeks later, she changed his mind. And not a partial change. He completely abandoned zero COVID and basically let anyone do anything. Now Starbucks is at 104. And Estee Lauder is at 261. You see, these were, these were man-made world enders. Any man-made problem can be undone. Of course, if you believe China was about to collapse and sold Starbucks or Estee Lauder, you missed some incredible moves. Now, there are plenty of stocks that can still fall much lower than they are and, 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 and not turn, turn on a dime. The mega-cap tech stocks do seem overvalued still relative to the fundamentals. Their declines may not be over. But I do have bad news for the perma bears. The world is not ending. It just feels that way on Wall Street. The psyche of the people is frail right now and wounded, but eventually it will get better. It always does. If you want to be a great investor, you have to decide that the sky's not falling because it just isn't. Just don't do it too early lest you run into more panickers than you bargained for. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.